Hi, this is Kristen Regal. And this is Paul Rock. And welcome to the Common Room Podcast. Um, every Sunday at 1045, we gather together to talk about life and spirituality, about the common experiences we share, as well as some of the questions we wrestle with. We hope you enjoy this, and we hope to see you some Sunday at 1045. the Advent wreath here because we are in Advent, the season of Advent, and the four Sundays of Advent, the four candles, and then the Christ candle is the, is the Christmas uh, candle. And so Advent is kind of this progression in thinking about how, how we kind of grow in our opening ourselves to receive God as, as God comes to us in, in Christmas and in the, in the incarnation of Christ. Um, and so our thought was that during this Advent season, we would kind of continue to expand our understanding of family, like what does family mean and what does family mean to us and uh, our experiences of family but then kind of seeing family through God's eyes and, uh, and it really is something that for me uh, I was thankfully luckily um, or you know whatever just my situation was I was born into a, a pretty solid nuclear family mom dad brother sister they each came from a fairly solid nuclear family we're all white northern midwestern you know, uh, European, and so my understanding of family was pretty small uh, for a lot of my life. It was pretty limited. People who looked like me, people who had my same last name, and it wasn't until I got um, uh, a bit older and got into, um, really until I kind of got into my late teens and, and we moved, that I started to experience different understandings of family and what family was and what that meant. I think every time you are challenged whether it's in your nuclear family or inviting somebody else in or a sibling gets married, it, it, every step is a little bit harder to kind of expand and break open your maybe smaller understanding of family to make it a little, allow yourself to love a little bit more, allow yourself to accept a little bit more. Um, it's, it's not, it's, I think every, every step of that is, 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 a, is, a, is a step, is a journey that's not necessarily easy. But I think every step we take, it makes the next step a little bit easier, maybe. Um, so uh, Darren is here, and, and um, Darren's story is is a is a is a wonderful one. I'll let him tell it. But uh, when when we asked him to kind of start this Advent series and, and thinking about um, family, he uh, he was uh, gracious enough to kind of share say that he would share his story, but also his thoughts about the first scripture that kind of came to mind when he thought about family and what that means, and maybe isn't necessarily as neat and tidy as we might think it is. So. Darren, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody okay? It's a common room. You kind of chill, right? Mm -hmm. Like that. (laughs) Like that. So I am part of a family. I am the, I guess, I am the youngest boy from a family of 12. My mother had 14 in her family, 10 girls, 4 boys. I am also the product of a... Not this, my grand, my dad's father and mother, he was white, she was half black, half Indian in the 20s. Not popular, obviously, but even that was a dynamic of my family that I uh, found out about later. Um, so when Paul asked me to talk about family, I was like, well, I have a pretty interesting family, I think. Um, I'm a part of a blended family. My dad had six kids before he met my mom. My mom had one that made seven. And then they had four together. And then there's a, you know, October surprise that comes along a little 
Um, so I thought about my life, and then I thought about Mary and Joseph, and how Jesus came to be as we expect him during the season of Advent. So I'm coming, talking from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is from the paraphrase, The Message. So it reads a little different, but it says, The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered that she was pregnant. Organ swell, right? <laughs> it was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. Joseph's chagrin, but noble, deter determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. While he was trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke in the dream. Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is a spirit-filled, con spirit-conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth. And when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. This would bring the prophet's embryonic sermon to full term. Watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son. They will name him Emmanuel, Hebrew for God is with us. Then Joseph woke up. He did exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream. He married Mary, but he did not consummate the marriage until she had had the baby. He named baby Jesus. So, way back in the day, God found a way to complicate a family. <laughs> we don't talk about Joseph in the whole scheme of things. Very often, we talk about Mary, talk about the Immaculate Conception and all that. But think about Joseph. Dude. He's like, I haven't even touched her. What's going on? What I love about Joseph, though, he immediately got into grace mode. He's like, look, I don't really like this. I gotta find a way out, but I'm not going to shame Mary. I'm gonna find a way to get out of this where she doesn't have to be troubled. And then of course, God intervened, of course. Say, hey, Joe, wait, cool your heels. Let me tell you what's going down, all right? So as we think about family, how would you feel if all of a sudden something like this happened to you? Not, not just, and what I mean something like this, there's all kinds of things that this could be. Couldn't, just couldn't have to be that your wife is now pregnant all of a sudden and you've never touched her, you're not even married to her and you're feeling pain and hurt and you're wondering how could you do this to me because that's the first thing that Joseph said I tell you how could you do this to me but there are all kinds of scenarios where your your family has feel like they have betrayed you you can't trust them family is complicated enough because when you're in a family, you have very high expectations of the people that you're connected with. But I tend, I, I want to challenge you that family is not just about blood. Family is about community. 
I still hang with the same seven guys that I hung with in high school. We've known the best and the worst of one another. We fought together. We've done all kinds of things together. I would, some of them, I'm maybe even closer to, to them than my own siblings, a couple of my own older siblings. See, I'm young. I was, I have a, I have a sister who was 72 years old this year. So she could be my mother. So I have that di- dynamic in my own family. Now I told you I came from a family of 12. But I only said seven, and then my mother and father had four. But in the summer of 1978, my mother got some mail. It was addressed to my father. And in those days, you opened your husband's mail. No big deal. It was a letter. It was a letter from a young woman in Oklahoma City. And she was talking to, writing to my father, who was her father. We did not know who this person was. My mother had never heard of her. And so she read this two-page letter, and at the end of it, she's like, I'd really like to see you. Well, I don't really know what the aftermath, what my mother and father talked about. I do remember watching my mother sit on the bed and read this letter and began to weep. Two months later, my brother passed away, July 4th, 1978. And that event brought my sister Charlene to Kansas City. And she came to our house first. And, sorry, that's my wife. Um, She came to my house, our house, and my mother opened the door. And I'm standing behind my mother. I'm 12. And when I saw my sister, I looked at her face and I was like, it was, I knew this was my father's kid. She had, oh, she was my father. And my mother looked at her and I don't know, it, it could have been two seconds, it could have been 20 seconds, two minutes, whatever the case may be. They looked at each other and she just opened up her arms. She said, come here, baby. And then she embraced my sister. That is something I was just telling Paul, I have really never talked about this till today. Because my mother made it so normal. This is what we do in this family. Come here, baby. And so she set the tone for how we were supposed to act. And my mother was such a strong figure in our family that if she did that and we understand the impact, this is a, Charlene was about 22 years old and if you do some math, it's potential that this was a product of an extramarital affair. So this could have went sideways in a hurry. My mother made a decision and at that moment it was more important that we be family no matter what the circumstance than for her to get into all her feelings. I'm sure they dealt with it at some other point and I'm hoping that she shared how hurtful that might have been to her. 
to him. In those moments when they talked at night with the TV watching them. But at that moment, she realized it was more important that for that child to be accepted into this family than for her to be feeling a lot of angst. So let me ask you a question. If that were you, how would that make you feel? How do you think you would have reacted? Could you imagine yourself exuding that type of grace? Like Joseph? Who in spite of before the dream, even though Joseph didn't know what was going on, he still was like, but I, I can't just kick her to the curb. I still have to love her through this. You know, I, I, when you ask that, I think, especially in your mom's position, I think maybe, maybe I could have at least faked it and <laughs> loved this kid that mm. showed up at the door. I don't know about my spouse, though. I mean, I, I don't, mm. I don't. And when I think about Joseph, mm. for God to be like that, this is a, this is a child of mine. I don't know. I don't know how I would have responded. But I don't. I don't think I probably would have been maybe as gracious. Easier to imagine having the same reaction of you know you see this kid in front of you, and as a mother responding that way, I think it's a whole lot easier to imagine being empathetic to the child than to the spouse. Probably pretty easy. My parents um, were married forty-three years. My mother died on October 9th, 2000. My dad died February 25th, 2001. So there's a strange beauty to that, um, which as I look back and even as I tell this story that uh, their love was stronger than I even ever imagined. Because my father was not easy to live with. And and as far as me, the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. I'm not easy to live with either. Not for the same reasons as my dad, but, but still. Um, family takes on all different types of shapes. You mentioned something about the people you say goodnight to. So that makes total sense to me. What's, what, the, what should the church be doing when it comes to family? And what are we doing as an institution to welcome people into the family of God? Because let's face it, God already has shown us in Joseph's story, family is not, there's no handbook to family. There's no way that it's supposed to be. Paul used this term nuclear family. The two kids, the picket fence, two car garage. I, I, I'm on my second marriage. I have a blended family. I have six boys. My oldest son is not my biological. I've been around since he was two years old. He calls me dad. He calls his biological father uh, Daryl. When I think about my relationship with my oldest son, Corey, 
I have to, it's only in conversation that, oh, yeah, Corey's not mine, biologically. But he's my son. And when he hurts, I hurt. It feels the same. It doesn't feel any different than my kids that I brought into this world biologically. It doesn't feel any different. So what constitutes family for you? And what should the church, how should the church be modeling family? See, because to me, when I think about family, that the church should be that shining thing on a hill that people look towards and say, that's how you do it. That's how you have family outside of the people that you're related to. People that care for you, that don't judge you, that with all your barnacles on you, they're okay with you <laughs> coming in here and saying, hey, come here, baby. That wraps us, that the doors are a metaphor for the arms that are open and they wrap around you. I, I think, though, the exercise in this and my sermon title and the other two services that we're all in the family is that we really need to begin to live that out. If we're all in the family, if we say this, and it's not just some type of platitude or something that makes us sound spiritual, that we have to be accepting and that we're all in God's family, regardless if you're polyamorous or monogamous or whatever that is in that area. Also, too, I think that we spend a lot of time, in my opinion, doing church but not being the church because I think those are two totally different things. We do church every day. We come in and we sing the hymn, we do the liturgy, and we stand up, we sit down, we pray, da-da-da-da-da, we do all this stuff, but then people leave, right? And what happens then? Where are you going? Where are you going? What are you doing? What, what have you taken out? What, when are you beginning to live out what Christ did? Because it all goes back to the cross for me. If, you, if he did this for me, that gruesome and unimaginable death for me, the least I can do is make sure that I am showing love and compassion and empathy to my fellow brothers and sisters. And I say brothers and sisters because that's what we are. We are his creation that makes you my sister, that makes you my brother, regardless of where I come from or what I look like. And we should be that shining light. We should be that thing that, that people are like, wow, I, I want to go there. I want to hang out with those people because, you know, they don't care about my, my junk. They just want to love on me. And I don't, you, don't, you can tell me the story later about where you come from. I don't need to, I need to know that right now. What I need you, you to know right now is that you belong in this family. That's what my mother did in that moment. She said, you belong here. I don't care where you came from. I don't care who your mom is, how it happened. I'll talk to him later. But right now, I want you here in this family. We're going to light one candle and, uh, and close with a prayer. So as Tom lights this candle... Uh, I want us to be thinking about practically this idea of expanding 
your your concept of family is, is is pretty difficult. But like I said, oftentimes it begins with just a, an, an event that happens. Somebody brings somebody home. I remember my parents kind of said to us, "Guess what? We're going to be a host family for this Laotian family." That and and our we were like, "Oh, really?" And so so what are we supposed to do with this? This woman and her child that are going to now be living in the downstairs basement. And they said, well, treat them like family. And that was kind of it. That's how you first learned, oh, that's what it means to be family. And when that little step is taken, then you figure out how to take another step. And you keep expanding your understanding of what it means to be family. So just in the, in, the, in the week to come, maybe to be thinking about just one thing that you can be looking for, one thing that you can do to help you to take another step to expand your notion of family, to extend love and grace and welcome to somebody else. So as, as we light this one candle, we think about this first step that we take in our journey, this Advent journey, and our first step in being family. And, uh, and, and as, as Tom lights this, we're going to say this, say this prayer together. God, we acknowledge that our default notion of family is small compared to yours. You stretch and challenge the boundaries of biology and nationality and ask, who is my mother? Who are my brothers and sisters? Your answer to these questions may make us uncomfortable. Your definition of family forges new bonds of care that disrupt our cozy notions of kin. This advent, open our eyes and our imaginations to an ever-expanding practice of thinking about, praying for, and taking care of our family as it becomes more like your family. Amen. Go in peace, family. Thank you, Darren. Thank you. God bless you all.